and welcome to All The Overs, the only Essex cricket podcast. We're very excited to be back together again, if albeit um, still socially distanced. Um, for those of you joining us who are new, I'm, I'm Terry, we have... Uh, Owen. And I'm Cheese. And we are very lucky today to be joined by um, someone who we follow on Twitter and are very excited to have with us. Um, you might know him from Twitter. Um, and he has a book out, which we're going to be talking about later. So very warm welcome to The Grumbler. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm very excited. So uh, with, uh, those of you who follow us, um, we don't tend to have many guests on. So um, we're particularly excited uh, to have the Grumbler with us today. Um, and we've got, interestingly, actual cricket to talk about, which is very exciting. Um, so shall we start, guys? Um, friendly versus Kent. Good so far. Good batting. Cheese? Yeah, I think... There's obviously not too much you can, can read into it. Like, it was a bit of a, a gentleman's agreement of a friendly with both sides saying, you know, just bat for a day. People can bat twice, play, play some balls and, and, and get into the knock. But, you know, Lawrence and Tendo had a, a nice little day out and Porter did pretty pretty swell with the ball too. Yeah, so that, I'd say it's a bit of an understatement um, with the... With Porter there, four wickets, pretty decent for him. He is decent anyway, but, you know, to, to be out of the game for so long and then to come back in with four wickets, I think it's quite impressive. And to have three players who um who hit the 50 as well, Lawrence, Tendo and Quinn. It seems to be a, a batsman's wicket. Um, so I think, I know we can read into that for later on when we talk about the game on Saturday, but because Kent got a few high scores as well. Mm. But it's nice to see... Um, Tender Scarter back bowling, getting a wicket. I know he only bowled a few overs, but it's something I've missed from Essex. I think it's his knee, isn't it, that's causing him problems? But um, yeah, I, I, I have a I have a huge concern about Tender's hair. I have a massive concern about Tender's hair. I was watching the live stream, which was slightly odd because from one end it, the camera was on a slant, so it was a little bit like 1960s Batman, where the <laughs> the screen was moving all over the place, but. Ryan's got very long hair at the moment, like like proper lockdown main type stuff. But the but the wicket he got was a was a, a bit of a throwback, a, a, a lovely swing he got, and uh, of course he doesn't get too many wickets. But the main thing for me was uh, was Matt Quinn scoring a fifty. Um, I was absolutely delighted because you know I. I, I I'm not sure if we can call him Al Sterrick because he goes in after the rabbits, but he's uh, he's certainly not a batsman with any type of form. He's only ever got one uh, 50. His high score in first-class cricket is 50. Obviously, that one doesn't count at, at the weekend, but, uh, uh, sorry, in the last few days, but that was a, a highlight for me, for, uh, for him to get some sort of form. The rest of it, as you say, a bit of a, a competitive... Absolutely. Really nice to, to see the boys warming up for the season uh, regardless. Um, but yeah, I take your point about Quinn as well. I've got a soft spot for him. Um, with regard to Tendo's hair, though, um, I'm quite a fan of the mane. I quite like it, yeah. Yeah, I have to say. <laughs> um, but maybe that's because he just looks like he stepped out of the 80s. <laughs> it's, it's just that I'm a massive fan of the mane. I, 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 I
I'm jealous. I'm jealous that he's got he's got more than me, and it float. And when he and when he runs in a bolt, it floats. It's flowing around his head. So <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's a critical point I'm making, but it's based out of pure envy. <laughs> well, then I think we can excuse it. That's fair enough. Um, so we've said that it's it's not likely to to provide us with much of an indication of how it's how it's going to go. But um, so so looking ahead then to to the county championship. Um, we've got everyone playing everyone once um, and then the final is the two group winners with the most points getting in um, what do we think about the, before we talk about Essex specifically what, what do we feel about the format well I think, I think firstly we've got to say it's not a county championship it's the Bob Willis trophy we are going to hold that county championship trophy at Chelmsford uh, until 2021 so it's important to say it's not a county championship it's yeah, me willing the county championship to happen I think <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's me willing the county championship to happen I think <laughs> but geez you had some uh, interesting thoughts um, early in the week about the uh, the, the way they just sort of regionalise it I think we, we suffer from being in a very strong group like there's a very big weakness in the, the quality of the groups. Like, the South group seems really strong. The the Midlands group is okay. And then the Northern group, yeah, there's some weak teams in there. Some strong teams too, but, you know, some traditionally, like, average teams. So, I don't know. I just feel like location's going to play a huge part into the actual um, progression of the, of the teams, of necessarily the quality of the team's actually taking part yeah I do think you've got in a group where you've got both Derbyshire and uh, Leicestershire it's a bit easier than what we have but, but you know it is what it is I guess with COVID yeah, I, you can't... I, I quite like the format because it's been talked about for a, a while it's been muted in various places that, that it should be uh, three regional conferences obviously we see that in other formats of the game and then you've got a playoff final so if anything what I like is the fact that this is a different kind of year for all sorts of reasons and they've not really made a, 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 a silk purse out of the towel here but they've at least used the opportunity to experiment in a positive way and that obviously differentiates what we're seeing in the Bob Willis Trophy from the usual county championship. So taking that opportunity to, to have a little bit of, a, of, a, of an experiment, a trial, to see if it works, I see that as a, as a positive move in difficult circumstances, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, 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 must, I, I prefer this format to the proposed expanded Division 1 where you don't play everybody each and... It's a bit hollow saying you're you, if you know if you're playing the weaker teams and you miss out the harder teams and you squeeze out the champions. Um, but yeah, so. yeah, yeah, it's a bit uh, yeah. In that sense. yeah. I, I've always been a fan of two divisional cricket just because there's more on on games at the end of the season. There's pro- promotion and relegation, obviously, and, and there's more stress and uh, on the players' positive stress on the players' competitive cricket. Obviously, I've always liked the idea as well of. Of a um, of an end of season playoff, almost like a, a Super Bowl, a grand final. The problem is, of course, takes place at the end of September and could well be ruined by rain. So you've always got the issue there. Um, but um, yeah, 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 yet again, that 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 point about competitiveness 
and keeping things interesting is, is, is really important as we kind of refashion cricket going forward. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm a big fan ever since they read uh, divisionalised, is that a word? Uh, I'd actually like to see three divisions um, and add in two more counties, but um, that's not a fashionable opinion. I think you've got yeah. huge um, uh, urban populations in this country that aren't serviced by any of the counties and you're missing out expanding the game into those areas. Uh, you could do that by adding two more counties or two teams into it. But. Yeah, I think I think adding counties might, yeah, might be a bit, it's not the way to go. We, 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 we've got to worry about not losing any of it. I, know, I, I just see like Cambridge... Cambridge, you've got the city of Cambridge and it's a university, big cricket fan base. Peterborough and it's a big Asian community, big big cricket fan base. It just seems like a, there's, there's, there's room to expand our game rather than just condense it into smaller formats. Interesting, interesting. Cheese, what are your views? I like I like the three divisions. I just uh, I'm just I think I'm more drawn to like a east, central, west kind of split and and maybe with Owen's idea of adding people in you could get a nice like balance of that if that was like a, a longer term intention of the game I'm well aware that with the money always being around London the, the southern or, or eastern group is always be tough um, and you know there are going to be regional advantages and disadvantages I, I, I think one issue here as well is that, that um, and this is talked about in football because they're talking about whether they should regionalise League 1, League 2 in football. Um, and I think this applies if you were to um, have permanent three conferences, as it were. You would be playing all the same teams all the same time. So Essex, would Essex be playing Durham very often? Would they be playing Yorkshire or Lancashire as often? And there is variety. You know, I go to quite a few away games, so so um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to go to Scarborough at some point. So I've never been there. Essex are playing at Arundel, playing Hampshire at Arundel in the Bob Woodis Trophy. Now I've never been to see Essex play at Arundel, but I'd love to. And the element of variety, um, I think, is important both for uh, fans watching Essex at Chelmsford got, got different teams in but particularly those fans who like to travel and go away so there's, a, there's, there's an issue over a period of time of it becoming saving that I think we need to avoid a bit like international cricket yeah, same teams yeah. over and over again yeah. yeah especially as it used to be the case well you just had one team over in the summer and you had one team that you were visiting in the winter and now you know, two or three teams are over each time, so you get through them very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, there's a, an issue with cricket going forward. I'm very passionate about about making it relevant and interesting to a new fan base, and obviously existing fans as well. It's a, di- it's a difficult balance, but these issues come into play: that variety, keeping the game lively, interesting, the narratives, the stories around it, crucially important. So. I don't think it's. I think it can be got around, but it's just it's just one factor we need to uh, be aware of going forward with that three conference system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and in this in the spirit of uh, of not varying things, because obviously we've just seen Kent and we have Kent again on Saturday. Um, in terms of 
how we uh, how we feel about that particular fixture. What 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 are what are your thoughts? I'm going to start with cheese um, because I know you you've got some ideas around uh, how you think this is going to go. I think you've got to be confident going into the Kent game, especially at home, like Fortress Chelmsford. Okay, it's going to be different without the crowds, but when was the last time we lost at home? That's a very good point. I think that, that having that home advantage, and I think you know that being back at home, I think there's a lot to be said about that in terms of starting well. Yeah, I think I can't can't remember the last time we um, we really really struggled at home. Um, I know we had we've had not we've not been on top of things all the time, but it just seems to be a, a pitch that we like bowling on, and uh, and it's 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 half of the batsmen. So looking at the friendly when it was seen batter dominated, that I think would be different at Chelmsford on a much more bold friendly wicket. So uh, it should be it should be an interesting game. Yeah, yeah of course, of course, we won every game last season, <laughs> which for the first time ever. So in terms of not only when did we last lose but when did we not win I mean you're probably talking 18 months ago at least aren't you because there's the whole of last season plus a little bit for the off season plus what we've missed out so far so it's, a, it's kind of a very a very long time um, and, and of course the bowling attack is exactly the same the, the only change um, will be obviously the lack of overseas player and the lack of Ravi Bapara I suppose there's a bit of a change there and the, the the big change over Bapara is is the thing that is is going to affect us and um, I thought Rishi Patel would be the man to come in but of course he didn't play against Kent in the friendly which I thought was interesting because I actually saw him play club cricket uh, a few days before that he played uh, against Aaron Nijar, um, and I went I, I went down to watch him play so I was slightly surprised that Rishi Patel didn't play against Kent in the friendly because I was expecting him to slot into that Ravi Bapara hole that exists in the middle order. That, I think that's what we'd, we, we'd said in a, a previous podcast. We'd had the same prediction. So yeah, that is surprising um, and a bit disappointing. Because Cushy played. Because Cushy played and uh, and got a few. I saw, I saw him bat a little bit on the right, on the live stream. And obviously he's, a, he's another a cab off the rank. And I saw that Ben Allison bowled as well. Um, and obviously Quinn Bolt, uh, all the bowlers were there. Shane Snaither was there as well. But yeah, the, the main om- omission uh, was was Rishi Patel. I, I don't quite know why. No, I've got no idea either. I, th- I thought he was being tipped as an extra replacement. As you know, when we saw him come in um, at was it Surrey last season away? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I saw him in that game. At, at, actually, I saw that innings that he played, and he's he's at the stage almost. Um, it's almost like the, the Denley problem for England. He's getting competitive 30s, <laughs> but, but not going on. But, of course, the, the issue is Denley's older, whereas Rishi Patel is at that stage that a lot of batsmen will have when they're very, very young. Well, they look good, they look classy, and he's a, he's a lovely-looking batsman in, in his stroke play. But just getting those big scores is eluding him at the moment. But uh, it's a process that younger batsmen go through, and he's, he's got everything in, in his locker as far as I can see. Um, he won't replace Papara the bowler, of course, the the golden arm, of course, um, and that's a significant factor as breaking up difficult partnerships. But um, yeah, otherwise, it's uh, 
there's no reason why Essex can't be confident going in against Kent because, as you quite rightly said, for Fortress Chelmsford, we've been saying it for years and they've backed it up in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, so well, I'm, I'm putting my money on, on, uh, on Essex to win on Saturday. Um, so I'm hoping that, that it, that's the way that it goes. Fingers crossed. Um, so... Did you want to look at any of the other fictions or are we going to just wait? And then I think we wait for the next podcast for that because we're going to obviously keep a, a weather eye on what goes on this weekend. Um, quite quite exciting um, times for, for Essex, I think, you know, we're getting cricket back going again. Um, so now um, we are going to move on to Richard. I'm going to ask you some questions here. Um Apologies, sorry, I just um, took a sip of my water there. Um, what do you think of uh, Dan Lawrence being called up for the England squad? Um, well, he's been the next cab off the rank for a very long time. Um, he's He's got time on his side, of course, that's the thing. We think that Dan Lawrence has been around for years because uh, he, he, he scored... Was it his third youngest championship centurion where he scored uh, a century at Surrey a few years ago? Yes, so he's was. been around for yeah, a very, very long time. Um, he's got everything in his locker. Um, I always think, actually, that uh, I remember reading Nasser Hussain's book and he got he didn't get picked for an England squad. I remember there was a passage about that, and, and Keith Fletcher said to him, I think it was Keith Fletcher, said that it, it, it was the, the best thing that could have happened to him, that he wasn't picked too early, uh, because mm-hmm. his time would come, because he had that ability, and he had a little bit more t- time to get ready mentally as much as anything else. If you look at the career of James Foster, who, quite why this guy hasn't won tens and tens of England caps, hundreds of England caps, even a hundred England caps. He had the talent to do it. He, in my opinion, was picked a little bit too early, had a a difficult couple of tests early on, and reputationally uh, struggled to recover. Um, I I think they weren't quite sure of his batting as as well. But there you've got two examples of one England career going one way and one England career going another, um, dependent in part on the timing of their initial selection. So, you know, I wasn't too upset that Dan Lawrence has missed out till now because of that reason, knowing that he's got the ability and he's got time. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we we talked about that previously as well in terms of him being called up. That it was it was it was it seemed overdue, but actually on reflection, Mark, based on what you've said, actually, I think I'm kind of in your camp there. Um, it would be a shame though if he if he in his position as reserve back you know, just goes to Old Trafford and then comes home again. That would be a bit disappointing for him. I mean, my my, my big worry is that he just he's from the wrong social circles. Mm. If you look at the tour to Sri Lanka, the Swahili squad, uh, every single batsman on the age of twenty-five went to public school, and so they would have been hung. They would have um, known each other on the public school circuit because it's not a particularly big circuit. No. There's not that many public schools around. I, mean, I think only ten percent population go to one. They would have gone to that Bunbury thing. They would have been on the so. Though that pool of of players have known each other going through the ranks, and Dan Lawrence been out of that. You know, growing up in East London, 
And I'd worry that he, when he comes into the English dressing room and he's sort of, not the saying that they've got a class issue or they're classist, but just that he hasn't got that automatic, oh yeah, I remember you from playing you against Felsen in the 14s or whatever. So um, relationship building might be a bit more challenging for That's him. my only concern. Yeah, they, they, they have that, he wouldn't have that confidence or know the, the ins and outs and the cliques and all that stuff that you can, that will help you cement yourself in the dressing room straight away. You're, so that's, that's my, yeah, but yeah, might be thinking, thinking too much about it. Cheese? Uh, I, w- I wouldn't have minded a little rotation, to be honest. You know, coming off the the West Indies series, everyone seemed, you know, pretty comfortable. Give people a chance against Pakistan, just, you know, I'm not entirely confident in Crawley. I do think Lawrence should be in ahead of him. You know, mix up a, just a couple of bits and pieces and just offer some of these, you know, little fringer players that are knocking on the door an opportunity. None of these series mean too much apart from um, there is some like seeding into the, the, the World Test Series and, and some ranking points that are being offered it. But given the circumstances and, you know, how we're playing cricket as a whole at the moment, they're not the be-all and end-all of um, pressurised international cricket that they might once be. Yeah, fair point there, actually. Um, I guess we'll just have to see how it unfolds, really. And um, I guess we'll be watching uh, Lawrence closely regardless. You know, he's an Essex um, an Essex player. We'll keep her, uh, our fingers crossed for him. Okay, um, we're talking about England players, Essex players playing for England. Do you think Westwood's chances... Been and gone? Oh, I think so. What do you think of the Grumbler? Uh, unfortunately, I think so. It, I think it has. I mean, he was, he was next cab off the rank in, what, 2018, was it? He was picked? Was it 17? I think it was 17, that has to be. 17, I think. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, 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 yeah, again, he got he got labelled. He, he got labelled. He came in for, for what, four or five tests, I think he played in total. And, he got a label as got found out certain technical deficiencies and it's interesting the story of, of Tom Wesley because um, he then had a was, was subject to the approach from, from Kent wasn't he and obviously Matt, Law, Matt Walker the coach there knows him particularly well and uh, turned that down he stayed and of course has ended up being crucial in the one of the real form batsmen at the end of last season scored some crucial runs including you know a game at uh, Edgebaston where um, where he, he was close to getting a century in each inning and he just fell short and and played well in the T20 final and, and scored, scored runs at really important times came back into form and of course taken over the captaincy so it, it does seem to me that his England career he's, he's, he's going to have to score heavy runs, shall we say, in the championship and do it in such a way that he can circumvent that label that you tend to get to, to get given. You get given labels, unfortunately, in, in, in cricket. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. And perhaps Tom, Tom Wesley has fallen foul of a particular label. Not that I'm saying he wasn't found out and not that I'm saying that, that um, he didn't have those technical deficiencies, but I do dislike sometimes the labels that people get that, that you 
can't shake off no matter what. And perhaps Tom's suffering from that a little bit. Excellent insight there, actually. We, we do... We do get that in cricket. Cricket is quite quite rigid in terms of pigeonholing people, and then once once you've been given that label, it's very very hard to shake off. Hmm. So, the grumbler. Am I allowed to properly? Can I properly introduce you now? Because we're going to move on to talk about the wonderful thing that you've done. Is that all right? Uh, well, my name's on the front of it, so um, uh, the cat is officially out of the bag. You can't so, escape yes. it now. So, fantastic. <laughs> right, so um, the the grumbler is, in fact, Richard Clark, and very recently, hot off the press, is his book, Last Wicket Stand. Um, I'm going to hand back to you, Richard. Could you just talk us through? Because it's just arrived. Owen's reading it. I haven't read it just yet, so I'm waiting to get the copy of it to... To, to, to tuck into over the summer. Before you have you bought your own. But... Yeah, I am going to buy my own. <laughs> okay. I haven't. No, I'm going to buy my own. My, I'm, I, just so you know, my Amazon order hasn't arrived today. Um, it was supposed to be here at twelve o'clock, and we're now at gone six o'clock. I'm not particularly pleased, um, but there you go. Well, I, I'm actually standing by a box of twenty of them at the moment because um, you need to be a little bit of a bit entrepreneurial when you write a book. So you can either buy it through Amazon. Um, or you can buy it through me, and I've, I've been sending them out to people and signing them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you, you can you make so little money out of this. By the way, I didn't do it for money. I did it because it was some, it was a lifetime ambition. It was something I wanted to to do. But I tell you, here we go. All right, pop quiz. Let me ask you a question. This book is supposed to retail for thirteen quid. It's a little bit che- bit cheaper on Amazon at the moment. I will let you. I will tell you how how many. How much I make per book as a writer of this book? So, thirteen pound book. How much do you think I make per book out of this? Right, Have a okay. guess. We, we each get a go. Go on, yeah. Yeah. Cheese, you go first. Two pound fifty. Okay. Next guess. Um, I'm going for ninety pence. Next guess, and last guess. Uh, I am going to guess one pound ninety-five. 75,000 words I wrote. I travelled all over the country watching Essex. What happened, just to tell you the genesis of the story, is that last year um, I was, as as you all know, I'm a very uh, passionate and vocal county cricket fan, Essex fan as well, been tweeting for many years. My name comes from a column I wrote for the official club website a few years ago, and it's a bit of a dig at... um, they wanted me to write as a character, and it's a bit of a dig at the, shall we say, uh, misanthropic members that you often get on the county scene that grumble and moan about everything. I'm not really a, uh, I try and be uh, realistic and forward-thinking with regard to the game. So I'm a big devotee of county cricket, and I worry the way it's gone um, since uh, the advent, well, the Sky deal that, 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 that took domestic cricket off off the television. I grew up. I was about nine or ten when Essex first won the county championship. The, the Fletcher and Gooch um, uh, and Lever and McEwen and Ray East that sort of team. And I'd reached my fiftieth year. And so, what with county cricket and the hundred, which I was 
very anti and I feared what it would do to the meaning, identity and fabric of county cricket. I decided to spend last season touring the circuit watching Essex play. So I was there at Cambridge at the start of the season. I was there for the first ball of the first game against Hampshire and went to every away game bar the Yorkshire game and that was only because rain intervened and went to pretty much all the home games as well, just a day or two, not every single day. But I chose to document this season, trying to understand what cricket meant to me, what cricket meant to uh, to the supporters, and tell tales of uh, that journey, really. I linked it with the fact that uh, yeah, I'd reached middle age. And um, like in the book, I'm trying to sort of counterpoint the what's cricket for what's county cricket for and what is is a person's <laughs> not to get too deep and meaningful at six o'clock on a wednesday evening however <laughs> what <laughs> what is when you get to a certain age and and the the job market is treating you a certain way and you've got this stress you've got that stress you've got that stress what's you know are you, are, you, are, are you fit for purpose? Are you fit for the new world? Is cricket fit for the new world? Is cricket fit for purpose? What does county cricket mean? So the um, uh, subtitle of the book is search, search for Meaning, uh, Identity and a Reason to Persevere. And that's really it. It's a reason to persevere. Should you persevere with your life as it is, do you need to change? And should county cricket per- persevere with the way it is or does it need to change? This big sword of Damocles was hanging over his head, which was the hundred. So, as I say, I um, it, it was all about that last wicket stand, the last wicket stand for county cricket as it existed, and the last wicket stand for me, um, sort of as a as a middle aged man. How much do I need to change now in this period of my life? So that's what I was trying to do. It's a little bit. I hope it doesn't sound a little bit too deep and meaningful and navel gazing. Um, but there's a mental health, health aspect to it as well. Um, that, uh, and I think I've talked about this, that as some men, some people, not, not just men, but they get to a certain age and they get upset about the way things have worked out and they might drink too much or they might gamble too much or there's the classic um, midlife crisis uh, things that, that people get up to. Well, my midlife crisis was was spending a little bit too much time at Chelmsford watching Essex play cricket. That's really what it what it was. And um, I um, that came out wrong actually, but there we go. I've said it now. Um, and and I, I documented it. So it, it goes into my cricket supporting life, my Essex supporting life. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it really. I'm so I'm halfway through it. So I just got just got past your uh, critique of the hundred. Um, yes. And it's it is sort of, I think if people are, I must say I I just sort of I follow you on Twitter. I like your tweets. I saw you wrote a book. I thought that sounds interesting. I'll buy it. Um, and I was I was sort of expecting just a review of last season and how great it was. But it's a bit more like um, Nick Hornby's fever pitch where. Yes, the book's about football and Arsenal, but it's also more he's about his personal life as well and, and life yeah. as, a, as, a, as a travelling football fan. So I, I, I'm getting more out of it than I, than I expected, really, which is quite nice. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I did 
put in my synopsis I wrote for the book when I pitched to the publisher. The publisher is called Pictures, it goes, actually. Um, I did say that, that people would paint this as a, a, a midlife fever pitch of cricket. Yes, because it, it is linking that fandom with, um, with a sport. But that's why I've been quite... Obviously, the title of the book um, it isn't 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 you know a diary of Essex in 2019. <laughs> it doesn't mention Essex, it, and and the, and the subtitle was quite important because of that. And I tried to. And I hope I'm not going to disappoint any of the Essex fans that are buying the book, thinking that uh, I'm going to tell you why Tom Wesley played that shot or. Ryan Tenderscarter made that decision. It's not about that. This is a fan's idea. I could have found out a little bit more, but I've deliberately not asked players or got any insight because this wanted to, I wanted this to be a view from the outside and how a fan understands, interprets, extrapolates what happens on the field and what it means to him or her. Yeah, we understand. It's one of the things we've talked about in this podcast is that is, is do we reach out to the club? Do we actually want that? Do, do we just complete like your book is completely from the outside and just a, a fan's perspective? Although for the Essex fans buying the book though, you do have still quite a lot of details about the that last season and, and the mat, and each match. So don't sell yourself short there. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, look, I'm a fan. I'm a nerd. Um, so so uh, yes, there, there is a lot of detail. If anything, it's interesting because. I, I finished writing the book and obviously I had to I wrote the guts of the book literally in the stand I've got lots of pictures of me well I've got lots of pictures of my laptop on my lap with the field with the actual pitch in the in the background um, but I, I I had to top and tail the book obviously write the intro and the and the conclusion in lockdown and of course the very point of the book was the, the hundred was coming and I was literally on the last day, last day or two before I handed in the, tra the, the transcript, I was waiting for the ECB to announce that it would be postponed because that would give me closure. My initial uh, way of concluding the book, and I think I, I write this in the conclusion, not to give away any spoilers, but was that I was going to go to the Yorkshire game first day, sit, on, sit, sit in, in, in the stand and write my conclusion in the stand the first day of the season when the 100 started. Because bear in mind that the 100 is the first, well, 2020 was supposed to be the first season in which counties, first-class counties, would not be the primary focus of the domestic cricket season in the UK. And that's going back 150 years or so. That they cleared the decks in order to make the 100 the focus. And I, th I thought that was worth highlighting and talking about. It was a big sea change. And then so I had to change and rephrase, reframe the book. But yeah, between that period of, of uh, the end of April and, and uh, the actual book coming out, which was actually on Monday, I thought that it's okay. I thought it's great. I thought it's terrible. I thought it's all points in between because I've been thinking about it a lot. But uh, it's, 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 it's a therapeutic process to, to write. A lot of people find that they only find out what they think when they write it. Uh, and I'm a journalist by trade. So um, I wanted to get back into writing. Um, and one of the things that's happened, and I haven't told anyone this, 
That's right. It's a bit of exclusive for your podcast. Mm. Um, I've got, I've got, um, I'm going to be writing a Grumbler column in the cricket paper. Oh, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, which has come, which has come in part, well, actually, <laughs> the book, part, <laughs> here's partly how the book happened. I wrote to the cricket paper last year um, and said, do you want a column? And I wrote to the cricketer last year and I contacted them, had a little bit of a contact with them and they both said no. <laughs> so I thought, well, sod this, I write a book then. Uh, because I, I, I pitched the column to them as I will tour through the, around the counties, writing you a column about what I see, because this is the last wicket stand for county cricket in a way, blah, 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 blah. And they both said no. So I thought, well, sorry, I'll write, I'll write the book. And then I um, had to do a big pitch, uh, a sort of 5,000 word document in order to pitch to the publisher. And then they ignored me, and then they just said yes, blah, 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 blah. And it came together really rather last minute. So I wasn't sure if I was going to have to self-publish. I wasn't sure if I was going to have to put it out as a PDF or a series of blogs. or I wasn't quite sure. So it came together a little bit late. But it's, um, it's fulfilled. It, it'll, 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 probably the paper round I had as a 13-year-old will pay me more per hour than this book will. Um, but uh, it's 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 uh, something I've always wanted to do. So I've fulfilled that life's ambition. So I'm just um, interested, nervous, scared, proud about how I feel about it now because obviously the reaction is starting to come in now. Um, and uh, as, 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 as you said, it's quite a thoughtful book. It's quite a personal book. And I've laid a few things out there. And that's... Uh, a dangerous thing to do. I'm swimming naked a, a, a little bit here, and that's uh, that, that puts you in a position of insecurity. Well, I think it's I think it's a fantastic thing to have done, and you must be incredibly proud of yourself. Um, it's a huge achievement. Um, I've been saying since I was about five, I wanted to write a book, and I, I think it's probably never going to happen. Um, but actually, this is this has been really inspiring. Um, so for those listeners out there, if you are looking for a read for this summer, not a summer read, I hasten to add, but a read for this summer, um, do uh, order Last Wicket Stand and make sure if you're not already following The Grumbler on Twitter, um, he's very easy to find um, and uh, well worth well worth following. Um, and a fellow Leicester graduate, like all three of us. Yeah. Oh, you went to Leicester. I went to Leicester University, yeah. Yeah, you were in that's how the three of us met. That's how we met. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. In, in uh, the Percy uh, G uh, building. For, they're making this podcast very niche now. Yeah, we met in the Percy <laughs> G building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, Cheese, you love talking about Leicester, don't you? As we, we all do. We love, we love uh, delving into our, into our uni adventures. Um, but actually, you know, it's, it's testament to, to how well Leicester um, shaped us as, as people, really, isn't it? That yeah. we, we're such good friends at this time, such a long time after. So um, we're going to wrap up now. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we will very much look forward to uh, speaking with you and uh, following your column keenly. Uh, I think I did just split an infinitive there, but never mind. Um, but we will be looking forward to, to seeing your column. Um, wish you the best of luck with it. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that's bye from me. That's bye from me. And goodbye from me. See you soon.